Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome to the 69th episode, stop, get your mind out of the gutter right now, of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. Joining us today, once again, is the godfather of Social Suplex and host of Keeping It Strong Style. For the second week in a row, we have the good old Jeremy Donovan, as well as my good old co-host, Floyd Johnson Jr. My name is Austin Summits. I am your host of this lovely show. And yeah, welcome back, Jeremy. Nice to have you back. Yeah, man, it's great to be back. I'm excited to talk about night two of Fighter Fest, man. And how about you, Floyd? How you doing, my man? Despite the fact that there was no Cody, I think this might have been the you know one of the best episodes of Dynamite I've seen. <laughs> and I've seen them all. <laughs> Blasphemy! Oh my god! <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? But it's just like one of those things. The thing about Dynamite, it's like that catchy song that. When it's over, you're like, man, it's over already? You know what I mean? And that's what Dynamite feels like. When when it's hitting on all cylinders, it's it's like, oh, oh, I see Orange Cassidy's music start, and I'm like, oh, shit, it's only 20 minutes left. Oh, yeah. No, it's yeah. like, it's like I can compare it to, like, if you're listening to a really fucking good album, and then all of a sudden you're on, like, like the second-to-last track, and you're like, Wait, I just, like, 50 minutes just went by, and I don't understand what just happened. Like, why did that go by so fast? Yeah, man, this show, like, it was just, it was so enjoyable. Yeah, like, nine four-year-olds around, like, what, really? Like, it's about to be over? No. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they, they had a lot to, 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 uh, try to compete against them, themselves, pretty much, with how they set up night one, and people were wondering how... Night two were gonna was gonna go, considering the fact that we didn't have the AEW World Championship match like we were supposed to. That got moved to uh, fight for the Fallen for next week, which is still gonna be crazy exciting. Um, but night two, yeah, I I'm 100% agree with you guys. They really did a good job of keeping the heat up for night two of uh, Fighter Fest, and we're gonna get into all the results 
for Fighter Fest Night 2. But before we do that, real quick, I want to remind you that this episode of All Things Elite is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV is where you get access to over 4,000 hours of content from over 110 of your favorite wrestling brands from countries all around the globe, right on your laptop and mobile devices. And if you use the code Social Suplex, you can get your first month completely free. Also want to make sure that you are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Shout out to the Spotify listeners as well. We don't, we don't forget about you guys. Please leave a rating and review. And if you are so inclined to, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. And be sure to support us on social media by following the podcast at AT Elite Pod. Follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Follow myself at szoomer 4 Follow Floyd at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And Floyd, you you piece of something. You didn't put Jeremy's Twitter in the notes. Jeremy, what is your Twitter on the uh, for people to follow you? You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Well, my bad, Jeremy, but I you know me. I have like 10 <laughs> seconds to throw the notes together before we get on the call. <laughs> yes, I, I pretty much copied the notes from last week and changed the match. Uh, I, like, that's all I did. So I was like, uh, so if it's it was wrong last week, it was going to be wrong this week. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I'm just giving you a hard time. But with that out of the way, first off, big news of the week for this week is obviously Fighter Fest Night 2. And, of course, that... Fight for the Fallen is on the horizon for next week, which is one of the biggest news. And honestly, like considering the matches that have been announced currently, it's very exciting to see that they're turning the show that was very much put on just because that we didn't have an AEW championship match like we were supposed to for Fighter Fest. And then they created a bigger show in order to make sure we had a big show for the title match. The matches that they have scheduled for fight for the fallen are actually like the show looks stacked and it's crazy how they were able to pull that off in such short notice too and it's very exciting and we're going to be talking about all the preview matches for fight for the fallen in in the future but i mean like overall what do you guys think fight for the Fallen's looking like so far at least with what they've announced jeremy you go first yeah, I think Fight for the Fallen looks great. You have all the big rating, ratings movers on there. You got the big stars. You got Kenny and the Bucks. You got Cody. You got the Lucha Bros. You got John Moxley. Like this is this is a stacked card. Like I, honestly, I think this is almost bigger than both Fighter Fest cards with all star pirates on here. Yeah, I have to agree. You got the world title and the TNT Championship both being defended. Uh, you know that's gonna be amazing i and they have an exciting uh another t- exciting tag match i man it was just like if the goal if the goal is to just put on your best show every week and not worry about the competition i don't think anyone does that better than AEW. so don't be surprised if uh as we said last week peace for the standing gets announced really quick and every title in NXT is on the line uh, because you know th- this is a stacked card. I don't kn- I don't know what you bring against it really. Again, oh, like I said, like I said, they're gonna do Halloween Havoc, but just in July. So, but guys, didn't you see that interview? Triple H he doesn't counter book guys. He doesn't he, he counter books book. He books his best for NXT. But if you don't think he counter books, you're crazy. He literally said that. You, I don't counterbook, but if you don't think we counter program, you're crazy. 
Hunter, <gasps> nothing, nothing but love and respect for you, Hunter. You've done a lot of great things in NXT, and you're unbelievably talented, and you've done a lot in WWE. Don't fucking lie to our faces. You're full of shit. Well, it's funny. Don't tell me. Don't lie to me, and then tell me you're lying in the next sentence. <laughs> you 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 completely denied the accusation and then admitted to the accusation and said if you didn't know that it was this way you're naive. Um, I don't know. No, I don't know. everyone knew what you were doing. We just needed you to say, yeah, we're in a competition. Call it a day. I did, that's what I've always said. I feel like more of these things can be squashed if people just say, hey, yeah, we're in a competition. Yeah, I'm trying to get more eyes on my product than. Anyone uh, in my other product? That's pretty much how TV works. Yeah, no need, no need to play naive. It's not like we're gonna be like, oh my god, he admitted it. Oh my god, it's like, yeah, we know. It's like it wasn't gonna be a huge brouhaha. Like, like AEW has already been taking multiple shots at WWE like since their inception. So like for them to swing back wouldn't really be that big of a like a oh my god. Yeah, I, I think there might have been a note from Tony because there were literally <clears throat> no shots tonight. Maybe, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Unless I missed something, there were no shots tonight. Yeah, well, we'll just wait for next week, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You know why there was no shots? Because Cody wasn't on the show. If Cody was on the show, we'd get some shots. Nope, everything went quiet. Because that's what Cody does. He he takes shots. Mm -hmm. Well, there there was no shots at WWE, but we got plenty of shots in the first match so far. I was, just gonna, party. I was just going to say that. Let's get, to, <laughs> let's get to the first match of night two. Thank you for taking for just going right there. I was hoping someone knew what that was. What, that's what I was building up to. We opened up with the king of shots, obviously, with private party. That's not water. And they were taking on the AEW tag team champions, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. When I saw this match was going to be opening up the show, I, I knew it was going to be hot out the gate. I haven't seen... Uh, the uh, bad match with uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman as the tag titles, uh, t- tag title holders, and these guys put on a really, really solid match. I'm still curious as to see who's going to be the guys to take the titles off of Kenny and Hangman because there were multiple times where I thought last week I thought um, best friends could have pulled it off, and I thought multiple times in this match that Private Party could have pulled it off, but they've just been clinging to those titles, and they're not letting go, and I love it. They're doing great stuff with it, and they're making those titles seem huge, but it's quite um, interesting to see like who could possibly be the team to take them off of Hangman and Kenny, but I really solid opening matchup and was really fun to watch. I loved the way that um, Private Party reversed Hangman going for the buckshot Larry and then just swung him over and then DDT'd him on the outside. I thought that was probably one of my favorite spots of the entire match. But overall, what did you guys think of the show, of this match? Yeah, this was a really fun opener. Kenny and Hangman Page, they are the tag team of 2020. Um, There's a ton of great tag teams in AEW and across the world, but... Nobody's been putting out the output like Kenny and Hangman. They've been having banger after banger, no matter what team they're against. And this was a great way to open up this car, open up with that hot opener like we talked about last week. And, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Like you mentioned, I love that that buckshot counter also. And just the double teams that we saw with uh, Hangman and Kenny. Um, I love the counter of the, the gin and juice that led to um, them hitting the last call on um, Cassidy. 
But yeah, it's a really fun opening tag match. This, this is how you start off your wrestling show. And about Floyd, what about you? Or are you? Oh no, I think we might have actually not had Floyd currently uh, on the call right now. I think he's on mute real quick. But yeah, I mean, seriously, like the 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 way they like it's we talked about this multiple times before on multiple shows. Um, how AEW does a really really great job of booking their opening matches and they've like every single week they show how they know how to kick off a show and then keep the momentum going because that opening match is so important especially considering the fact that they're still booking matches and like you can imagine that if crowds were allowed like legitimate fans were allowed to be at the shows that they'd be going crazy for these opening matches because they're booking it with that in mind still to get fans intrigued in the show because that opening match really sets the tone for the rest of the night. And they've still been able to keep that momentum going throughout the entire show. And I felt like the booking just for the, the card layout was really solid. And I thought there was a lot of really cool moments that also happened on the show that weren't necessarily matches that were still very entertaining. But... But right now, I guess, since Floyd is currently on mute, we will go ahead and get to the next match on the card because I want to just make sure that he's doing all right. But after this, we had Joey Janela versus Lance Archer. And this match, I truly thought, like, no disrespect to Joey Janela, but I thought Lance might have squashed Joey in this position. I didn't want him to because I wanted to see Joey actually put up a fight. But besides the fact that I... Besides the fact that I thought that in my mindset, the fact that I, um, the fact that Joe uh, Archer and Joey still had a really so- solid match and it wasn't a squash match, made me very happy because I freaking think Joey puts on really good matches. A lot of people know him just for the garbage wrestling stuff, which is fine. But Joey has proven that he can still do great singles matches without those ridiculous. Um, gimmicks involved and also do great tag matches. His stuff with Sonny Kiss has been surprisingly good and Sonny had a great moment in this match where he came in while uh, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts was distracting the referee or was trying to get the referee to pay attention but there was just, just it was all going off and then Sonny Kiss just dives onto Lance Archer and there was a couple times where Joey got uh, some really good near falls but Lance Archer able to get the victory and it's still doing just absolute carnage on the show and was just yeah i i'm lance archer i'm really excited to see what lance's next feud is because i think when lance gets into a really big feud outside cody now that he's got kind of like going uh, venturing outward i really want to see him get into a feud like I know he's done stuff with Marco. I think doing stuff with maybe the Jurassic Express would be cool. But I really want to see what kind of feud that uh, Lance Archer can get into now that he's kind of really regaining that fire and regaining that heat. So overall, we got Floyd back. Floyd, what did you think of this match and the match before? Okay, sorry about that. I've literally been sitting here with nothing happening for two hours. And then, you know, as soon as I actually need to not be doing what I'm doing, Caught phone rings. Well, uh, Sonny Kiss, uh, Joey Janela, uh, or Joey Janela and Lance Archer was amazing. Uh, as Jeremy have seen in our group, I am not big on Joey Janela. Never have been. But, again, saw some magic in this match. 
He has been impressing me as of lately. I think he's the toughest person in in, in the world. I mean, when you took when you take that uh, move from the apron through the table and then he bangs his head on the table, I'm just like, man, like if I'm talking to Archer and he's like, hey, this is what we're gonna do. I'm like, what are you thinking? No. And the, <laughs> the crazy thing is, it was probably Joey's idea because he that's what he does. Um, uh, our friend Rich from Social Suplex uh, One Nation Radio loves to say Roddy uh, Roddy uh, Strong wrestles like he's not going back to the trailer park. I feel Joey Janela's the same way. You know, White Claws don't pay for themselves. He wrestles <laughs> like it. So he, he, he leaves it out there every time, and this match was no different. A couple times I actually bought that he might actually upset uh, uh, might actually upset Lance, and the fact that Lance's ma- uh, actions before the match attacking Sonny Kiss almost ca- ca- almost came back to haunt him, and Jake was distracting the ref while his guy was getting double teamed. That was hilarious. Thought that was perfect, and I will say this: in the world where we see tons of flips and tons of moves. A move that will never not be awesome to me is the 450, and Sonny Kiss hits it perfectly. Tight rotation, lands exactly where he's supposed to. It is amazing. So I thought this was a really good match. It kept kept the uh, momentum going from the first match. And the first match, all I can say is, this is what AEW does. Uh, Tony Khan says it's his mission statement to put on an amazing first match like every show. But I say the best thing in the world, I mean, they've had good singles matches. They've had great singles matches. Hell, Kenny and Pac, probably my match of the year in Kansas City, was an opening match. But their opening tags get catch so much fire. Uh, I I was okay with Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega and um, Hangman just getting the definitive victory. Sometimes the champions are just better than their opponents. That was great. I thought Private Party looked crisp. Uh, that double, uh, what is it? The double backflip rock bottom. What's that move called? Uh, Spanish fly. Double Spanish fly. Standing Spanish fly. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was a good move. I mean, it'll, you know, it seems like they've been working on it and they were trying to work it in and didn't quite hit it clean, but the fact that it was kind of messy to me sometimes makes it a little better when it comes to matches because it makes it look more like a fight. So I just thought the match was amazing. Kenny Omega, Hangman, uh, so unbeatable right now. They're so unstoppable as champions that whenever someone does beat them, they are automatically over, so I'm looking forward to them continuing to be great. I think I'm caught up now. <laughs> You're all good now. So what about um, now, Jeremy, what do you think of the Joey Archer match? Yeah, I really enjoyed this Joey Archer match. And kind of like you were saying, Austin, um, I didn't know if they were going to kind of go for squash here. It's the way Archer has been so dominant, but I'm really glad that they did give Joey a lot of offense and have some believable spots in there. Like you mentioned, Floyd, where you, you thought um, Joey could get the win and he's, you know, going back to his roots and pulling the table out there. And like like we both said, all of us said last week, I really wish this was, this was some kind of like hardcore match. I think these guys would have killed it if they were able to, you know, really use some plunder throughout the match. But the, the blackout through the table was a great spot. Um, and Sonny Kiss, like you mentioned, Floyd, hitting that beautiful 450. 
And, you know, Jake Roberts, you know, pulling a snake out, almost backfired on his man there. That's a little interesting story that we could see develop down the line between Archer and Roberts. But this was a really good match. And, you know, Joey Janela is just one of these guys who, who really started from the bottom and has worked his way up to become a star, you know, coming out from the backyard and all the success he's had in GCW and the Joey Janela spring break shows and the Joey Janela lost in New York. And, you know, he's a guy that's really slowly built himself up, became, you know, it's kind of a viral social media type of star and had a lot of buzz behind him. And now all that hard work has finally paid off. He's a big star now on TNT. And this is a good little spot for him here against Archer. And I'm hoping in the future that we would see more from Joey and, um, fun fact, as I was doing some uh, research for my Dynamite preview column, I realized that Joey has never won a match on Dynamite yet. All his wins have been on Dark. So looking forward for Joey to get that first big win on Dynamite one of these days. Yeah, that's crazy because you, you remember like, oh, yeah, because like he's had high profile matches and he's had um, some pretty big matches, like considering like he had the first um, lights out uh, match against John Moxley, and he's had a lot of like pretty big matches on pay per view and on Dynamite. But yeah, he hasn't won a single match on Dynamite, so I think he's well due for one. Definitely, I mean, having wins on Dark definitely helps. But I think having him get a win, whether it be with Sunny Kiss or whether it be in a singles match, I think he's definitely due for a win very soon. But yeah, yeah I would definitely oh, like. I will say I'd like to see him win. Uh, on Dynamite, I'd like to see him beat someone. It's one of those things. I love his story right now. That it's it's really so, and it's just the truth that you know he came in. You know he was one of the big signings for AEW. He was one of the big independents to f- sign with AEW. And you know, to a lot of people, to himself, if your wins and losses matter, he hasn't really lived up to the hype of him signing. So he's trying his hardest to you know get it. You know. Uh, trying his hardest to get on the winning side and teaming up with Sonny Kiss. I just think that's going to do it. It even adds more depth, more depth to the tag team division. I was like, I've never been a person that says this, but it's like, man, they're so deep. They might need to add a second second tag belt or, you know, as uh, we've said before, the trios title or something because their tag division is crazy, but they have been doing a good job as far as FTR and FTR and the Young Bucks and Butcher and the Blade it, uh, making the matches matter with their ultimate goal being the tag belts, but it's still being, you know, it's their individual tag matches still matter. So I like to see Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela worked a little more into that, and that should be fun. Well, actually, that the fact that you said the another tag title actually get, like gave me a thought. Like in down the line, like in in AEW's future, um, it makes me wonder what would you guys think if AEW kind of took a page out of New Japan's book and had like a heavyweight tag title and then like a light heavyweight tag title or a junior heavyweight t- tag title and then kind of went along with that side because I mean it's something considering how many tag teams they have they could do. Um, and considering, like, down the line when they decide, oh, okay, well, we sh- maybe we want to add a couple more titles onto our roster because, our like, depending on w- how things go in the future, would you guys be open to, like, a uh, tag title stand-up like that where they have two different titles, like junior heavyweight 
and heavyweight, like kind of like taking a New Japan style look at that. Like, would you be open to that? I feel I know how Jeremy feels about this, and I think I agree with him, so I'm going to let him take the floor. Yeah, so I'm not a big fan of the junior tag team titles in New Japan right now. Um, And just a a junior, like they do the junior division very well, but overall in wrestling, I'm a big fan of just kind of having an open weight and having guys from different weight classes facing each other. Because I think right now we're in a period of wrestling where majority of the wrestlers are smaller and all kind of the same size. So I think in AEW especially, I don't think there's a necessary to have like a junior title or a junior tag title. I, I love the fact that there's one tag division that you can see a smaller team of the Young Bucks face a Butcher and Blade. You can see a private party face an FTR. Um, so I wouldn't want to separate those guys at all. I'm more into having a trios title and that way you can get you know, Party Hardy involved. You get, you know, Kenny and the Bucks getting in there. Just Jurassic Express. They have so many trios already in um, AEW. I feel like their structure would fit perfectly well for a trios title over uh, junior tag titles. I 100% agree. Everything he said, I there's nothing for Floyd to add on that one. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, like, I feel like when people talk about like new japan tag like i'm an outsider looking in like i watch new japan but i'm not like all in it so i'm sure a fan of new japan could very much school me on this whole thing but from an outsider looking in it seems like while the light heavyweight and junior heavyweight stuff is like watched and appreciated like i feel like it's not really focused on that much or that it gets a really good spotlight it seems like you, so. you know the crazy thing is i literally like this morning <clears throat> listened finished listening to keeping it strong style for this week and jeremy talked about that exact thing so i was like i know exactly how he feels <laughs> <laughs> he just said he just i just heard him say it so yeah and i agreed on the show i agree now it's just the idea with aew if they were built like somewhat like WWE where it's kind of like the land of giants. Yeah. I think a junior, like I think a cruiserweight tag title in uh, WWE would be perfect. People like Ricochet, Cedric all could be a part of it. And I think that would be fine. But cause there is a definite size disparity with a lot of, uh, a lot of people on the roster. But, uh, when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, AEW, I mean, being over six foot is pretty rare on the roster. You know, it's, I mean, you look at, you look at FTR, the Young Bucks. I mean, I don't think any of those people are six foot tall, you know, and they're heavyweight tag division. It's like you, if you're six, two, you stand out in AEW. So yeah, I think a junior division would almost be confusing for most people. Yeah, I just figured because we brought up the idea of that, it would be really interesting to talk about. Yeah, and, yeah, and it was a hey, great conversational piece. I I absolutely agree with bringing it up. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, it's just like I don't know. It's just AEW is built like differently, you know, where I don't think it would work, but I think it would would work definitely other places. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, New Japan just doesn't have that, you know, spotlight focus on their tag division in either division. I mean, they've done a little bit better this job with having uh, the heavyweight tag titles on Tanahashi and Ibushi, the current champs right now. But overall, like, the tag team division is pretty forgotten about, and they kind of have to randomly pull together challengers every once in a while to get those programs going 
were on AEW, man. They they have the best tag team division in the world, and I just love all the different matchups you can get with all those guys in one division. All right. Well, with that conversation piece out of the way, um, we had the return of Nyla Rose taking on a two-on-one handicap match between Killian King and Kenzie Page. She got that victory relatively quickly, um, and she the biggest focus on this match was that did she you, was uh, back. Did you skip a match? Oh, my God. No. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did skip a match. You know what? And I feel terrible that I did skip that match. I don't know why my eyes just jotted over that. But you know what? I'm just going to let Floyd take the floor on this one because, first off, I did the disservice of accidentally skipping this match, which is quite ridiculous because it could have been – it's pretty much close to the best match in the show, for me at least. Um, Floyd, please tell us about the eight-man tag match between Butcher and Blade and Lucha Bros versus Bucks and FTR. You have arguably in this match three of the top five tag teams in the world in – you got FTR and the Young Bucks on one side. You got the Lucha Bros and then the Butcher and the Blade who are as about as menacing and heavy-handed as anybody in wrestling. And this match was... I, it, I have to start before saying I hate eight-man tag team matches. I hate multi-man tag team matches. Like, when I'm watching New Japan, I generally skip them all because I don't like them. <laughs> this match was freaking amazing. It's just like if if I'm putting a type of match on a scale, this was absolutely a five star uh, eight man tag team match. My favorite eight man tag team match of all time. Uh, yeah, it was it was a fast break. Uh, you know, a hail mary, a sprint. Anything you want to say that equals speed, it was this all the way through. I don't know how all of these men weren't just like have their hands on their knees deep breathing at the end of this match because the action never stopped. Like I can't even describe. I can remember like two or three moves, but like all I can remember is how I felt during the match. And I'm watching the match, and generally you need like a couple minutes after the match to say, oh man, that was the best thing ever. I'm watching it, and knowing it was the best thing ever while I was watching it. Uh, Jeremy, throw some color on this. Yeah, this match was freaking incredible. To me, I think it's probably the match of the night. You want to talk about high spots, you got tons of high spots. Hard-hitting action. Like, this this is the type of action I love to see here. I think the Young Bucks, they are one of the best tag teams when it comes to multi-man tag team matches. I think back to all the six-man tags they had in Ring of Honor that were just amazing. And they had an amazing eight-man tag here. I mean, the spot with um, Nick and Phoenix doing the double jump super Frankensteiner spot. You had Phoenix doing the Canadian Destroyer spot uh, to the outside on the on the crowd on the group there waiting to catch him, and yeah, just so many great spots like that. Uh, meaning you had uh, one of the uh, FTR. I, I, I mix up their new names. I think it was uh, Cash Wheeler. He was wearing uh, Pentagon's glove. There's some disrespect right there. So it's a lot of going on. Tons of move, fast pace, intense action. Like this was incredible. Yeah, someone and in the, the group, someone in the group brought up Cash Wheeler doing the glove thing as a shout out to Seth Rollins. 
I personally thought it was a shout out to Sean Spears. Mm. Yeah. And the whole idea, because a lot of the Four Horsemen stuff has been thrown out there, and I thought it was just kind of, he had it on the right hand, just like Sean Spears. I felt like it was a nod to Sean Spears. What were you going to say, Austin? No, the one thing I was going to say, because um, first off, that, that I, like Jeremy said, that Canadian Destroyer, springboard Canadian Destroyer onto the entire like group of guys out there was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. But, but also, there was miscommunication where there was an accidental super kick to one of the members of FTR. I forget who. I think it might have been Cash. Um, uh, it was to uh, Hardwood. Oh, it was Hardwood. Okay. Um, there was an accidental super kick to Harwood and which kind of screwed everything up from that point, which gave the opening for Butcher and Blade and Lucha Bros to get the victory. And I was surprised that we didn't get like, like a huge confrontation between the Bucks and FTR. Like after the match, they actually kind of shook hands and then just kind of walked off it. Cause I thought for a second, we might actually get a little bit of like, Oh, like still teasing towards that match. But we didn't get that actually, which kind of surprised me. I thought it was going to actually lead to that after that spot. Yeah, my that did surprise me. I did want to throw out my favorite spot that I actually remember is Nick went for the super kick. I believe it was the blade. I don't remember. I always forget which one is which. And then he ducked and then Dax DDT'd him which was a combination of a thing he does where he goes for a right hand, and when they duck the right hand, he DDTs them. I thought that was really cool because it was that combination. And also, um, just some of the tag team moves from both sides, uh, where I believe it was like the uh, Butcher. The Butcher did a, a, a drop on his knee, handed him to Blay, who did the same thing, and then immediately turned into a sit-out powerbomb. I, I'm seriously, I'm definitely going to watch this match again because there was so much stuff. I'm just going to have to, like, write it down because there was so, so much stuff happened. And the fact, I am loving the fact that what Austin brought up, to go back to Austin's point, that they're not, they didn't just start fighting at the end of it. It's, it's, it's really a slow build. It's pulling at a thread, pulling at a thread, pulling at a thread. And then we know this house. We know this, uh, this shirt is going to come completely apart eventually. But they're making you need it. They're making you beg it. You're looking for it in everything that they do. They're just like, oh, he almost kicked him that. Oh, he almost punched him there. Is this what's going to do it? And it's probably going to be something you didn't expect that sets one of the teams off. Yeah, I was I was very happy they didn't go on. They didn't go like full on like, okay, this is where they brawl. This is where we start like the, the feud. I was happy they didn't do that, but at the same time, I was surprised that there wasn't like a stare down or something along the lines. They just kind of shook hands and then walked off, which was not expecting it. And I do appreciate the different take on that. And I'm very, very excited to see the continued slow build to what is probably going to lead to one of the best tag team matches we have ever seen in just pro wrestling in general. And yeah, I'm, I, I agree with you, Floyd. I need to watch this match again because there were so many great spots that I need a second viewing just to fully absorb what I saw. Um, I wouldn't say, because I, I think I saw a couple people on Twitter say that they thought that this was on the level of uh, Kenny and Hangman versus the Bucks. I wouldn't say that 
because that's still probably my favorite match I've ever seen in AEW. But I, 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 I put it on different planes. I'm not going to do an eight-man scramble and put it up against a regular tag Yeah, match I was going to say. I'm like, I think it's great on its own as that match was great on its own. You know what I mean? It's just like, I think they were both amazing, perfect matches, just two different types of matches. Exactly. And I think yeah. it's just I think it's just the yeah, like before um I I take I give this to Jeremy. Yeah, I think it's just because eight man tags there's you can do them really well, but just there's something about a tag team match compared to an eight man tag that really sets it apart in just how much quality you can get from that. But out of an eight man tag, they got some of the best stuff they could have gotten out of it. Yeah, this match was yeah the Layout for this match was excellent. Um, really great matchup. And like both of you guys said, I was also surprised. A, I was surprised that Young Bucks and FTR lost because obviously that's the money feud that they're building for, and they lost that matchup. And then also surprised that there was no post-match shenanigans. Now I have a question for you guys. You know the Young Bucks. They're supposed to be the best tag team on the world. They lost again. They seem to be losing a lot. Do you think the Young Bucks are losing too much on TV? I, yeah, I do. Uh, I see, just, that's, I mean, yes, in a sense, but at the same time, I think they're just, they're really doing a good job of themselves, like, outside. Like, I think that's the thing, is that they know that, like, uh, it's it's a weird position, because I know they didn't want to go on to the point where, like, they say they're the best tag team in the world and then book themselves as the best tag team in the world, because then people would be like, oh, you're just booking yourself to be the best. It's a weird position. I do think they need uh, a big win in a big way, and I think that just, like, like, especially considering how much of 2019, like, the Elite just spent losing a majority of their stuff... Like, just losing a majority of their matches and then just, like, having a lot of upset losses. I do think that they have lost a little... Like, they could throw yourself a couple more wins. Like, like we, like we know you're one of the best tag teams in the world. But I also think, at least for this match specifically, um, I think just the fact that FTR and the Bucks were teaming together, they may be two of the best tag teams in the world, but there's still something between those two that teaming together, I just it's going to be hard for them to win together just because of that, just because of the already history that they have that like, just there's going to be like miscommunication or issues going on, whether they like let it go or they just actually get up on, in their faces about it. There's still something between them. That's going to keep them from winning together. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And um, I think I agree. I do, I do think the young bucks are losing too much, but I do think it did make sense for Lucha bros to win this match to set up the FTR match for next week. Cause if they lost and it's like, all right, well we know for a fact, they're probably gonna lose FTR, but with them paying the young bucks, it gives them a little bit more chance to like, Oh, maybe the Lucha bros might upset FTR and break their undefeated streak. Yeah. My thing is, I just think they need to start getting some of their wins back. I would love to see them face private party and get that win back. And if they could just go on a little streak and, you know, and then the announce team can say, man, it looks like they're getting their rhythm back. It looks like they're getting their wins back. And that starts that, you know, that kind of starts the fire there. I think that would help. 
Yeah, and I think I think especially getting in when we start getting that feud like building and like we're building to the eventual match, I think is where both the Bucks and FTR are just going to go on a complete spree of just winning matches and then just like rubbing it in each other's faces and then just kind of one-upping each other as they build towards their eventual match. And I think once we get closer and closer to that, we're going to see the Bucks especially getting some big wins. But now we can actually talk about the Nyla match and what she announced afterwards. I, again, can't believe I somehow forgot that eight-man tag match. But anyway, like I was saying beforehand, before I realized I was an idiot, Nyla Rose took on Killian King and Kenzie Page in a two-on-one handicap match. She got the win relatively quickly. It was kind of a squash match, pretty much. And then Nyla, after the match, which was the big important thing, was where she talked about how the one thing she noticed um since coming back is that the amount of people in AEW that have a manager and that those people with managers for the most part are ex- are getting massive success especially Cody with Arn being TNT champion you got Jake the Snake Roberts being the manager of Lance Archer you've got Penelope Ford getting a te- uh, women's title match against Hikaru Shida because and she's got Kip Sabian got all these people that she's running off their names and all of a sudden she talks about how she feels that she needs a manager and she did not name who that manager was going to be but I know Floyd has a has a sneaking suspicion that he thinks he knows who it is I, I think it's obvious and and honestly I thought I was like really ahead of the world and then I saw like a hundred and other hundred other people predict the same thing. So I think it's gonna be Vicky Guerrero. Uh she's been around the AEW a lot. You know, she she is very much an AEW cheerleader on her page. She thanks WWE for their time, but she is all about AEW and what they're doing there. I felt like she might manage Penelope Ford, and that was my thought process, is that, you know, Penelope might get rid of Kip, and she might end up managing Penelope Ford, but with Nyla announcing tonight that she's going to have a manager, I think that makes the most sense, because, you know, you really do want kind of, you know, the manager, you know, the manager has to be a bigger personality than the wrestler, and there's not a lot of bigger personalities than Nyla Rose. But Vicky Guerrero, oh my God, she's a heat magnet. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, I think Vicky Guerrero makes the most sense. Like you mentioned, Floyd, we've been seeing her a lot on AW programming within the crowd. She was a cheerleader during the uh, Inner Circle uh, pep rally for that one episode of Dynamite. And yeah, she's made it very clear that she's a big supporter of AEW. And yeah, man, she's a heat magnet, and you want Nyla to be the top heel. I mean, she's already kind of the top heel in the women's division, but that's going to take her to the next level. Having, you know, Vicky yell, excuse me, every week on uh, Dynamite, that's going to get a lot of heat. And I think it's going to be a great duo. I think it's, it'll be an interesting pairing. And I like that, you know, yeah, let's get the women some managers to them. You know, a lot of the men have managers. Let's get the women some managers. So I think that will be um, good. And real quick uh, on the squash, match, I just want to shout out uh, Kylan King. Um, so Kylan King is somebody that I've seen a lot here in the Florida independent scene. I actually saw her debut a few years ago, and then I've seen her in action several times since then. And I think she's a really solid worker, and I think that she's somebody they need to sign. Yeah, I mean, 
that that's I, I'll take your word on that. I, um, I mean, that's how they do it in a, uh, AEW. You show up on dark, and you keep showing up, and then you keep showing up, and then you're signed. So it looks like that's the just path keeps showing going, up. That that's the path that they're going with. Uh, like I said, like um, lately there have been a lot of injuries, so they just had to lock some people up pretty quickly. Uh, that you know, some people you know might think they may not have signed before, but Kylan King, yeah, she definitely. I, it's one of those things they do need to you know add some depth to the women's roster. I uh, I like what they're doing with the non-world title feuds, and I love that Penelope got shouted out tonight, even though she wasn't in a match. And they talked about how impressive she was and how good she was. So I think yeah, you can never hurt to have depth in that division. She's tall. So she got some size on her. She doesn't necessarily look like anybody else on the roster, really. And that, you know, that adds that adds to the diversity of the roster. So yeah, I'm I'm down. I'm down. Sider. Yeah, and on turn on on the topic of uh, Vicky Guerrero being um, a possible manager for Nyla Rose, uh, yes, because Vicky as a manager. It's like there's nobody that can do a heel manager quite like her because like just the way that you can get heat by just saying two words and just like squealing with your voice and you just get people angry because I, I know there's been um, there's been re- wrestlers and uh, who have done like the annoying voice kind of ways to get heat like what was the name? Of um, I know this is really obscure, but I, it's like I still remember her for some reason. What was the name of the WWE uh, woman wrestler who like was a terrible singer and kind of like a Britney Spears joke Jillian, or something? Jillian Hall. Yeah. Jillian Hall. That's right. Thank you so much for reminding me that. It reminds me of that, but like even with her, like you don't get hit heat like Vicky Guerrero. It's just you can't. It's like so she she has that down to a T and. As much as I want her to be the manager, I also want her to be the manager with fans in the crowd because I just want to hear the onslaught of booze that she will get because, like, that's where she's got everybody under control and where she's got them all eating out of the palm of her hand because it's going to be weird despite the fact that there's not a ton of fans in the crowd. But either way, yes, please bring Vicky on TV. Yeah, I want to go into the fans thing. One thing I can honestly say uh, AEW, uh, you don't even notice anymore, honestly. Their uh, their twenty or thirty wrestlers that they have, I think, are the real MVPs of the company, and Tony needs to kick them a little bonus because they they keep the energy up of a much larger larger crowd, and I believe the production group sh- uh, shoots it well enough to where you don't even notice that there's no one there. I just it was just some it was a thought I had during the show, and I just. You brought that up, so I just wanted to throw it out there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, definitely throw some kickback towards them because they've, like, I agree with you. Like, it's hard to, you you kind of forget at points in times that, oh, yeah, everything's crazy and we can't go to shows anymore. Um, but they do a really good job of making you forget for a quick period of time. Yeah, um, they've been doing an excellent job with uh, having the wrestlers in the crowd, and it just feels, it adds energy. It feels lively. Like, yeah, it feels like, you know, there are fans there and there's energy in the arena. And I know we don't like to talk about WWE that much, but you look at what they're doing. I mean, they also have fans in the crowd area also. And it just, it's completely different. Like the energy is just way different between both shows. Yeah. I mean, I understand that it's, it might be safer, 
the plexiglass glass thing throws me off with WWE so much. I, you know, and again, this is I'm a person that watches every show, so I'm not going to sit here and bag on WWE. That's not what I'm here for. I'm just saying the plexiglass thing just makes it look weird. I don't know why. It just makes a different feel to the show, except because, you know, I, there was one where Lance Archer and Big Swole were up in each other's faces yelling at each other. And it's just like it felt so organic as opposed to the WWE people. It just feels like they boo who they're supposed to be. They cheer who they're supposed to do cheer. They, they say this is awesome when they're supposed to say this is awesome. It just feels really scripted. It feels like they got, got earphones in their ear and someone's telling them how to react to everything. Right. And I love AW. You have like actual like full time roster members in the crowd. And that's like you mentioned, a great way to do angles and promos when you, your rivals in the ring, like with Cheetah, she stared, stared a hole in Nyla Rose and her entrance in that whole match. And you clearly know that the beef is not done between those two. And so, yeah, I like that kind of stuff and that interaction. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm glad that. Um that Floyd brought up Big Swole because there was a bit of uh, stuff that happened in between the show with Big Swole that I want to talk about before we get into the next match. We had Big Swole walk to the arena with bag and toe and then was greeted by Alex Marvez and was told that um, she was suspended and not allowed it, allowed to be in the arena. And we know for a fact that Britt Baker did some talking to upper heads, did some talking to Tony Khan to get Big Swole banned from the arena for the show. She did not listen, and she proceeded to just jump uh, Britt Baker in the crowd and give me Britt Baker, Big Swole. Like, I love the way that they've been building this up and just the feud that they've been building with Big Swole and Britt Baker, mostly because Big Swole has just been killing it in these segments, but Britt Baker has also been completely on point, too. It's been a really solid way to build this feud that's just been a lot of fun to watch. Like, it's it's been... It has some of the most entertaining parts, I feel like, that aren't, like, wrestling-related. Yeah, it's been amazing. I think Swole is... I think, you know, with crowds, she would be showing how over she's getting, because... I think she steals the show almost every week. Her and Britt Baker's segment, whatever they do together, steals the show every week. And Swole had the realest answer. Why did you wait all the way till I got to the show to tell me I'm not on the show? Call somebody. Fax somebody. Snail mail. <laughs> I mean, to me, yeah. If I drove three and a half hours somewhere and they told me, oh, you're not allowed in the building? Oh, I'm figuring out a way into that building. That was just like, it was just so real. It was such an act what an actual person would say if you know that happened i've always said i live about 40 minutes from my house i always said if you i've told my boss this if you're going to fire me you better call me at home and tell me i'm fired because if i drive all the way up there and waste my gas now that i'm broke because i'm fired i'm going to poo on a desk that's what I've always said. That's always been the argument. I said, I'm just going to pull down my pants and shit on your desk because you made me drive up here all the way up here for no reason. So that's always been my thing. It, it, like, you could ask my boss. I've told him this repeatedly. So I know if I ever get fired, they will do it over the phone. 
But yeah, you and your you and your boss have weird conversations. Well, I've no, I've actually worked at my boss with like three other places, so we were both grunts at one point, and then he became a boss. So I okay. can kind of talk to him more like I wouldn't talk to somebody I didn't know. Okay, all right. I yeah. was just gonna so say. like like it was like that was something I told him when we weren't bosses, and I told him just because you're my boss, that doesn't change that. <laughs> you better well, have man, two, I... two six six three hundred pound men waiting to drag me out of that office because I'm gonna poo on a desk if you call me all the way up here. God, that that is great that you have those circumstances. I think I would be um like something would happen. I'd get beyond reprimanded for saying shit like that. Well, well I mean, what are they going to do? Fire me? They were already firing me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm loving this, uh, swole and Britt Baker rivalry. And when they finally have the match, I'm guessing it's going to be all out. Cause that's when Britt says she'd be cleared and back to action. That's going to be a huge like moment and like a big culmination of all the angles that they've been doing this whole time. And yeah, both of them are super entertaining. They're like two of the top faces of the women's division right now. And I definitely think we need to see more Big Swole in action on Dynamite, get her some wins, build that record up, and then really make this Britt Baker match something big. I was just going to say, the one thing I want to happen in this feud, because for the most part, Big Swole has been making Britt look so foolish. And despite, despite it being entertaining, I think Britt needs to, like, get some get some uh, some girls on her side and, like, just kind of, like, send some girls to beat down Big Swole and, like, kind of, like, build, like, a like almost like a Kill Bill-style gauntlet to get to Britt Baker at All Out. Like, yeah, I she, think she would be put, She should put a bounty really cool. on Big Swole's head. There you go. Yeah, yeah, literally be like free dental care for like your rest of your life. Like, yes. like and uh, then just watch them go after it. Yeah, Andy uh, uh Andy one of the people on Twitter that I follow, he said, you know, he wanted to see he was like does Reba wrestle? Cuz I would love to see Big Swole versus Reba. And for people that might be new fans of AEW and never kept up with Impact, she wrestled for a long time as Rebel. I actually saw her and met her at an independent show wrestling as Rebel. So she does work. She's just pretty much retired and moved into the backstage. But if they wanted to do a one-match thing on AEW Dynamite, I think she, I think she got one left in her. Yeah, I'd love to see that, honestly. And again, like I think having Britt send people to go after big swole to help keep that build going is going to be a really good way of getting that match some good hype considering that Brett can't wrestle then after this segment we had the dark order with Brody lee colt cabana and Stu grayson taking on all three members of scu and like we saw before colt cabana has been really gifted some wins by mr Brody lee being a member of the Dark Order, and he seems a little bit more on the side of being in the Dark Order with um, him getting some wins under his belt. So getting a win against the established team and former tag team champions in SCU would be a huge moment for Colt. And overall, too, I felt like this match was really, really solid as well. And I um, I thought that was really great, and I, um, I'm also really happy that 
Cole Cabana is getting a really good storyline to go with him. Because I said with Colt joining, and I've talked about this before, how Colt's one of those established guys where it's very much like his character has been the same for a very long time. And you can stick with that, but it's going to get kind of like, like you don't really know what to do with him with that. So to kind of mix his character up by having this whole dark order thing and having Brody really, really get a big name guy under his belt. Cause besides um, Stu Grayson and evil Uno, a lot of the other um, um, dark order members are a little bit more, aren't as bigger names as Colt Cabana and getting a guy like Colt Cabana helps make the Dark Order feel so much bigger. And this match was really str- was really good. I, I think I was ve- I I honestly thought that maybe SCU would actually get the win, and then Colt would kind of be like, "Hang on a minute, like, is this really the best idea?" But Dark Order did end up getting the victory. Colt seems like he's like totally all about. Um, the dark order now that he's really getting some victories under him so much so that he's got a brand new t-shirt for a second. I thought it said doom doom too. When I saw it, I was like, somebody needs to, uh, like get in contact with our girl, with our girl and let her know that, Hey, we used your quote, but, <laughs> but no, it's, um, yeah, I, I, it seems like, yeah, he's fully on board with the whole dark order. Cause now he's got a freaking dark order t-shirt. So, I'm for it. I'm digging the stuff that they're doing with Colt in the Dark Order, and Brody is still doing really, really great stuff um, with with uh, leading the Dark Order, Order as the Exalted One. But what do you guys think of this match? Go ahead. Yeah, this was another good matchup here. Uh, like you're saying, Austin, I'm, I'm also digging. You know, this kind of Colt uh, slowly embracing the Dark Order story. And, you know, like you guys mentioned, Cole has been in the baby face for so long now and such a so established. It, it's kind of weird seeing him embrace the dark side. And I, I for, for some reason, I just thought that this would kind of be the match where he kind of snapped out of it and would help his friends out. Um, SCU, who he helped out on his debut when he saved them from getting beat up from the Dark Order. But I think I kind of like this a little bit better. It's a little bit more intriguing with him actually embracing you know, Mr. Brody Lee in the Dark Order, and I'm kind of curious to see where the story is going to go from here, and as far as the match, I think that Stu Grayson was, like, the highlight for me in this match. He stood out to me out of all the guys in there. He worked really hard in this match. He was doing some cool spots. He did a a couple cool uh, Pele kick spots, and he was just really aggressive, and was really kind of controlling the pace of the match uh, for his team, so uh, love to see some more uh, Stu Grayson in, in action there. Yeah, this is what a match was when you just have six really good wrestlers. You know what I mean? It was just like, there was some, I mean, Stu was definitely the MVP. I completely agree with that. I was actually going to make that point, but I figured with Jeremy going ahead, he was going to make it in before me. But uh, yeah, it was very hard hitting. Uh, he, he left it all out there. Scorpio Sky, they're really getting over the fact of his athleticism and how much he has improved. And it looks like he's about to get that singles push. Uh, but I thought the match was great. It was more of a story match. It was, it was more of, you know, the Dark Order trying to prove their uh, worth to Colt Cabana and Colt trying to get over the injury. So who mysteriously attacked Colt Cabana? Well, you know. You would think it was probably the Dark Order, but whatever. Doom Doom. Colt Cabana undefeated since joining the Dark Order. I don't think there's a better sale job than that, right? It really isn't. And I am 100% thinking that, like, 
having Colt in the Dark Order is going to really help the Dark Order overall. And I think that's like, I, it just helps so much more to have um, a guy like Colt in the Dark Order. Because I, rem- I still remember when they debuted and everyone was like, wait, what? And like, because just the debut was kind of iffy because they shut the lights off and then they showed up and then everyone was like, wait, I don't know who these people are for the most part. But now they're really doing a good job of, especially with Brody and the stuff that Stu Grayson has been doing and just how they've been doing it as more of like a, you want to stop losing, join the Dark Order and like really making it a cult. I think is like they fully have figured out how to make the Dark Order look intimidating and they've done a great job with that so far. <clears throat> yeah, and it's, it's one of the things I got to point out about this match that was um, a little heartbreaking to see was a uh, fallen angel Christopher Daniels. He tried to hit the BME and he couldn't get the double jump. He had to go and do a regular moonsault. It was a little, you know, a little sad to see. Father Time is catching up with old CD. Uh, you know, he's been so timeless for all his time. And I think we kind of take him for granted. But, man, that was, you know, the 2002 fan of me, you know, cried a little bit seeing that. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I I totally, like, like, I saw that and I was like, oh. And I was like, oh. And kind of just had a thought, like, oh, my God. Like, it's, it's crazy to me because you don't, you forget how long he's been in the business and how long he's been going. I don't, I mean, like. I hope to God that he's still got a couple more years because I still have been loving the stuff that he does. But like, I mean, yeah, like you said, Father Time, it does not give a damn like about your situation. But I'm hoping that um, that uh, Christopher Daniels still has some some time left into him because he's still he's probably like one of my favorite members of SCU. Yeah, I'm 10 years younger than him, and I sneezed tonight and hurt my hamstring, so I know all about, <laughs> I know all about Father Time and the fact that he can do any of that, as in a regular moonsault, is uh, still shocking to me. So I think he's still laughing us when it comes to the age thing. Oh, yeah, not even yeah, close. I'm, I'm, I'm many years younger than him, and I can't do the shit that he does. Yeah, I, I think it was just kind of a, a mistiming thing because, I mean, he's been looking pretty good in his last few outings. So, yeah, I'm hoping it's one of those kind of miscues, mistiming things, and I'm pretty sure he can still pull it off. I would like to think that's the case, and I'm going to believe that's the case. Now, this happened a little bit earlier in the show, but um, I wanted to leave it before the main event because this was a huge moment overall, was Taz coming out with Brian Cage and cutting a promo um, in replacement of what was going to be the AEW world title match. And Taz had a little surprise that he brought out. And I'm like, I was very much confused because when I saw what he brought out in the bag, I was like, that looks like a championship belt. I'm like, he didn't steal the AEW title. I know that. But I was very much confused as to what was in the bag. And what was, what was revealed in the bag was none other than the FTW championship from ECW original. Like, holy fucking shit. I was completely floored when I saw Taz bring that out. Um, like, guys, overall thoughts on this promo, which was, again, Taz has been doing great on the promos on, on recently. And opinions on this on this shocking uh, return, I guess. I defer to the Godfather. <laughs> Yeah, this was great. You know, they made the announcement, you know, Taz is going to make this big, you know, shocking announcement that's going to send shockwaves in the pro wrestling world. I'm like, 
what can Taz possibly announce that would be that big of a shock? Like, I know he's not going to wrestle again. Like, what can he possibly announce? And then he comes out here with the black championship bag. And I was like, wait a minute. Is he about to reveal, bring back the FTW Heavyweight Championship? And, yep, that's exactly what it was. This is a great way to kind of pay homage to the past, but also kind of blend it in with the future. Um, for those of you who don't know, Taz and ECW had this FTW Championship. It was kind of a belt that he created for himself. Uh, the Fuck the World Championship, that was Taz's motto. And it was pretty much almost you know, the badass championship. And he would actually defend the title, and eventually it got unified with the ECW World Heavyweight title. So to kind of have to bring that back and bring that history back and give it to Brian Cage, like Brian Cage has the aura of a badass. So this is the perfect kind of thing for him. And even if he ends up losing the Moxley, he still has his FTW title and still going to be positioned as like this tough guy in the company. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of perfect because Taz said, um, uh, Taz said, you know, Mox was dodging Cage. You know, he's scared of him and he dodging him. The reason the FTW belt exists is because Shane Douglas was dodging Taz. He wouldn't, you know, Taz was undefeated and he could never get a title shot. So the crazy thing is that if it's like it's like the continuation of that attitude of that lineage of badass and it's just like no one better than brian cage to do this i mean impact lucha uh lucha underground no matter where he is he is the freaking machine so the fact that he's gonna have that belt that beautiful beautiful belt it, it is it is amazing like there's not a lot of belts again I, I i'm like i'm not a belt collector there's not a lot of belts i would buy but if that belt became available yeah floyd's dropping the money for it and also, I'm really glad that you brought up the the relation between, like, Mox has been ducking Brian Cage just like Shane Douglas was ducking Taz, and that's a, the reason why he has the belt now. Um, that also makes it, – it also removes the idea of, like, oh, he just brought it out just to stick it on him and, like, as a cheap way of being like, oh, my God, look how amazing Brian Cage is. No, it makes sense in the way that they're telling the story now because – if that wasn't the case, then, like, there would be no reason to bring the championship back other than, like, oh, nostalgia. But with this whole, like, this whole story they're pushing about how Taz is saying that Mox is ducking and dodging, that now they bring back the FTW championship, it makes complete and total sense why it's back, and it works so well. Because other than that, like, it would just be like, oh, look, that's back. But it would be kind of be like, but why? But now, I mean... With that added element, it adds way more sense to it coming back, and it just makes it even better, in my opinion. But with that segment out of the way, we have and the main event. Oh, go real, ahead. Real quick before we go on to the main event, there's one one other segment we should talk about that kind of ties in with the Brian Cage stuff. There was a uh, video segment from Darby Allen earlier in the show of him doing like a, a kind of a crazy coffin drop and saying that he has not forgotten about Brian Cage. Uh, what did you guys think about that? First off, I want to do that. I want to do what what uh, Darby did. I want to just jump off of that and into it because it was a pile of phone. I foam. I've jumped into that before, but from that height would be fucking crazy. I want to do that. Uh, I don't want to do that. Uh, I'm leave that for uh, Darby. I don't do heights, but I just thought this promo. Darby Allen 
the the cell phone, the video production promo, the do-it-yourself promo videos is like he's on another level. I, I mean, I, you know, again, someone, you know, that's his size and he's nuts because it, it, it fits his character that he's going after someone that looks like Brian Cage, which I think no one should go after someone that looks like Brian Cage. <laughs> I mean, just to him, like, just him saying, I haven't forgot about you. Just like, okay, now I'm excited. Because when they have a match, when they do something, it's going to be bananas because, you know, you think, oh, you see Darby, you see Cage, no way Darby has a chance. But Darby is just crazy enough to make it work. And I, I dig it. I dig this whole thing. I dig his attitude. He has this six-foot-six aura about him in, like, one of the tiniest human beings I've ever met. Yeah, I mean, like... You look at a guy like that and, like, his no-fear attitude that he has is one of the reasons why fans are so behind him. The fact that he is willing to do insane shit and put his body on the line and just, like, considering his size at the same time and, like, how he's unbelievably athletic but at the same time completely out of his mind but is got as much determination and grit as you could want in a crazy good wrestler and like it's no wonder why he's one of the most popular guys in AEW I feel like it's no wonder but now we can actually get to the main event of the show Chris Jericho the champion taking on Orange Cassidy with brand new music I just noticed no longer using the best friends intro he's got his own music which I was at the same time happy for but also was like oh man I wanted to hear that theme again <laughs> <laughs> Because I love Best Friends theme. It's so good. Yeah, it, get, it gets stuck in your head. <laughs> it is. It literally is one of those ones that gets stuck in your head. But this match was really freaking good. And, I mean, Jericho just brings something out of his opponents, I feel like, that really, like, elevates a match to a whole nother level. Um, the amount of, like, I loved how Orange Cassidy, like, just takes, like, start of the match, hands in pockets, headbutt to Chris Jericho just out the gate was crazy awesome. Like anybody who goes after Orange Cassidy for being a joke wrestler and being like, like, like just not a legitimate pro wrestler and just a comedy act. Like this match proves that this guy can put on a really, really good match and like, doesn't have to go full joke and like people will still a hundred percent buy into it. And that's why the character works so well is that he doesn't try, but when he does try, he's one of the best and can take a guy like a former AEW world champion, Chris Jericho Jericho to his limits. And I had nothing but positives for this match. Um, the orange juice spot was very, very funny. I thought it was hysterical that they that Santana and Ortiz brought that out to begin with. And then like I just I like I loved just the, the amount of offense that Orange Cassidy was able to get in and also just for like he had a lot of great moments in this match and I just had nothing bad to say. Jericho goes over which is like I would feel like is the right call for that and just helps keep Jericho at a good spot and Orange Cassidy nobody's going to stop cheering OC I feel like even after this match but really great way to end off Fighter Fest night too and I I love this match I thought it was great what do you guys think Yeah I thought this was a one hell of a main event um 
really seeing Orange Cassidy step up here. And, you know, in the promo videos, he said he's going to try. And he definitely tried here. And it was just great kind of seeing this new aggressive side. And he's, you know, throwing Jericho into the, the barricades. He's hitting suicide dives. Um, you know, he's really going out there. And, he, you know, they had a great matchup here. And, um, you know, him want to do things by his own. Had best friends kind of go to the back there. And, yeah, this was a really great back-and-forth matchup here. They told a really great story of, you know, Cassidy kind of coming in hot, and then Jericho kind of slung him down. Um, and then eventually um, Cassidy, you know, using his speed and kind of, you know, tricking Jericho, and he, he did the little the soft kicks that led into a big, you know, hard super kick. And, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun this match was. Yeah, um, I thought it was everything it needed to be. I think it did establish... Orange Cassidy is a star. I think he did a good job of flipping the switch for Orange Cassidy. Or now he can go into matches and try, and there is a storyline basis to him now trying. Um, big thing with uh, big thing is the outside interference. It was great. I, I understand it's a main event. It's supposed to be big. I he was doing so well. I didn't think that was all necessary. I think it was necessary in the end to kind of keep him strong. Because Jericho had to cheat to win, but I, I was really entertained by this match, even without the extracurricular. You know, I know some people have to use smoke and mirrors to get their match over, but I was so entertained because you haven't got bored of OC's wrestling because he doesn't wrestle all the time. You know what I mean? It was it was fresh, it was exciting. I just thought I thought it was everything it needed to be. Jericho is a master of this. I mean, if they gave out black belts for wrestling, he'd be like a red belt. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, he'd be over that. It's just like he could take someone that I necessarily like. I I loved them the first time I saw him. I got the gimmick, but I didn't know how he would be week to week in wrestling. I did I didn't understand it, and it was like. He made me actively be rooting for Orange Cassidy in this match because he made me hate him so much. Yeah, I mean, there's that's that's the thing. It's like it's it's why Jericho is considered one of the best. Is that not only because people would like the fact that people would cheer Orange Cassidy wouldn't be a like an issue, but to get people to hate Jericho and want to see OC to win so bad, like that's that's the power of Chris Jericho. It's just, that's the power of a really good heel is that even if you have a baby face, who's mega over having a great heel also elevates the match to a whole different level. And that's just what Jericho does. And it was just a great way to cap off night two, which I mean, overall I thought personally was crazy strong. I'm, I don't know if I liked it more than night one, I would probably have to go back and watch everything all over maybe one more time just to fully compare my thoughts. I think it was just because it was a week apart that it was hard for me to compare the two. But Night 2 definitely, like, if anything, was able to keep the level of quality that Night 1 had and possibly elevate it as well. Like, it was very, very good in my opinion. So, like, overall, what are your guys' complete thoughts on this show? Overall, I thought Night 2 was one of the best Dynamites ever. Um, there's only a, a couple. Like Atlanta and um, Kansas City are probably up there as well. But yeah, from beginning to end, this was a great card. There was nothing on this show that I didn't like. 
um, set things up for a fight for the fallen. Yeah, it's a really, really great episode of Dynamite. Yeah, I feel like they are completely in a groove right now. I felt like this has been one last show was solid to good to great. I think this was great to almost perfect. I, I you know, I, I know it goes against everything I believe in to say something without Cody is perfect. But man, I just like I'm like. Huh, what was the down part of this episode? And this is not me just being with my positive hat on. I can't tell you a part of this show I didn't like. The 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 mid segments, they flowed quickly, they didn't feel like they dragged on. Uh the matches were all good. I have at least a move or a spot from every match that I can remember. It's just like, yeah, it's just like, well, you know, I want action in my show. Yes, I want good promos. You get this. I want something that makes me laugh. You get this. They hit on every... Uh, they hit on every mark. It was an A show. It was... Yeah, I think it was the better half of the Fighter Fest. But that's w- w- by both acknowledging that they were both really good shows. Yeah, I mean, I can't say anything else other than that, but... We're going to get into our preview for Fight for the Fallen for next week. But before we do that, I want to let you guys know that support for All Things Elite is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And Floyd himself can attest to their technology and how well they work for him, him, him personally. Yeah, you know, when you have friends, you want to take care of them, right? You know, and there's no closer friends to a man than his boss. You know what I mean? We, we, we they're, they're, they're always there. So, you got to keep them clean, keep them shaven, keep them smelling good, you know? So, when you ever get to present them to that person, consensually, obviously, <laughs> uh, you ever get to present them, you're presenting your best. You always want to be on your A game. You want to be the perfect Ten in it when it comes down to that. Now you know what would suck. You know you get with your significant other or the person you've been dating, and they finally let you get there. And you know what? You grok it down, and it smells like swamp water. Now you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. So you go to manscape.com. You put in suplex, get your discount, and get that shit taken care of. There you go. That's all you got to do. And how much is that discount so people know? 20% off. Free shipping. Yeah. 20% and free shipping. Come on. And free shipping. Generally, if you look at any other place, when you get 20% off, that's pretty much taking off the shipping. That's what you do. It's like saving the shipping. You get the 20% off and the free shipping. So you're actually getting a discount. So there you go. There you go. Thank you so much for Manscaped for sponsoring the show. And now, let's get into the preview for next week for AEW Fight for the Fallen. We have some matches that were already announced. We obviously knew that the main event of this show was going to be the AEW World Heavyweight Championship match that we were supposed to get for Fight for Fighter Fest in Moxley versus Brian Cage. That has already been set in stone. We also have some very... Very interesting matches that we will be seeing. The TNT Championship Open Challenge is continuing on with Cody. He will be taking on Sony, Sonny Kiss 
in this matchup, which I'm very happy to see that Sunny is actually getting a championship shot. I think it's going to be a great moment for her to really show some of the stuff that she can do and how, like, how good she can really be, especially in singles competition. Um, we also have the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks teaming to face Jurassic Express, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt. I already can tell that match is going to be unbelievably great. And we're going to have FTR going on to take on the Lucha Bros, which very much, I believe, will possibly steal the show. Because, oh my God, if there was ever a dream tag match, there's one right there. So... That's fight for the fallen, and like we said, like we said before, like in a show that was really created just so that way we'd have a big uh, night for the AEW World Championship match. They have got a stacked card on their hands. Like, I mean, guys, like overall, looking at this card, like, what are your thoughts going into the show? Yeah, I'm very excited for fight for the fallen. Like we said at the beginning of the show, I feel like this is like a almost a higher quality um, on paper than. Both matches of fighter fest. You got a world title match that's been built up for weeks. You got the the TNT title match with Sonny Kiss, who's an incredible performer and has been killing it anytime he gets a chance on on Dark or Dynamite. And so I think with Cody, we've seen Cody, you know, kind of have these kind of breakout matches with some, some younger guys. You know, the the first Dynamite with Cody and Sammy Guevara. That's kind of the feel I'm getting here with Cody and Sonny Kiss. And then, you know, the big six-man match, Elite and Jurassic Express. It's like a, a six-man dream match right there. It's always great to see Kenny and the Bucks back together again. So, yeah, this is lined up. Like, this is almost, you know, like I said, higher than Fighter Fest. So, I'm very excited for this. Yeah, uh, you know, we get Cody. We get his open challenge back. Um, you know, I for a moment, I was like, come on, Eddie Kingston. Come on, Eddie Kingston. <laughs> uh, but uh, then it was Sonny Kiss. I have no problem with it being Sonny Kiss. Uh, I just, I think Sonny is amazing in the ring. So I expect nothing but greatness in this match. But, you, you mean, you're talking to me. You you know how much I gush about AEW's tag team division. So you know what I'm most excited about. I'm like, I need to figure out how to get someone to work an extra hour for me or whatever it takes so I can just sit there and focus on FTR versus the Lucha Bros because, oh my God, it, it is the dream. Like, FTR and Young Bucks is one. FTR and the Lucha Bros is like 1A. It's like, it's just really not much because, you know, they say styles make matchups. You cannot get more different of styles, more night and day styles than FTR and the Lucha Bros. FTR that believes in the tag rope and making the tags and double teams in 10 seconds. That, and, um, and then you got Lucha Bros who thinks FDR means fuck the rules because they don't do any of that shit. And <laughs> <laughs> somebody's going to get destroyed on the apron. You know, they're going to backflip. Ray Phoenix is going to do something I've absolutely never seen before. And I don't like, I, I have no, I mean, I know they're kind of pushing FDR, but I don't know who wins this match. because I don't either. You know, I, like, I don't know who wins this match. All I know is my heart is going to be pumping from the time that first tune hits to the time the bell rings to say who wins i am so excited and then you have the thing with the young bucks and ftr butcher and blade and the lucha bros have been kind of working together lately you got that working in 
Oh my god, if you cannot tell that I'm excited about this match, you're not listening. Because, <laughs> man, this is making... I'm like, to me, this should have been a pay-per-view match. But, yeah, we get it on Dynamite. We get it on cable. Come on, tune in. Yeah, I mean, that's that alone is just enough to tune in. But again, we're going to get the AEW Championship match that we were supposed to get tonight. But with how long it's taking for this match, I know that Moxley is going to come out and I feel like we're going to get some crazy, crazy stuff from John Moxley considering how I'm sure he wanted to make sure, I'm sure he wanted to make night two of Fighter Fest, but decided to skip out of it just for safety reasons. But now that he's good to go, you know you're going to get a John Moxley that's going to put on one hell of a show and Brian Cage is going to have the biggest match in AEW, in his short AEW career so far, and you know these guys are going to and they're going to give one hell of a matchup. But also, I mean, I'm just excited because Jurassic Express being a six-man, I mean, being a three-man team, um, I'm actually excited that they're going to get a full-on three-man, um, a six-man tag matchup against another three-man team in the Elite, which, I mean, I was surprised we didn't get. When Marco joined Jurassic Express, I was surprised that we didn't get that matchup like earlier. So I'm just happy we're getting this match right now. And I just want to see Marco versus Kenny Omega. Just get those two in the ring. And I will just, I want to see Marco just go like, and just try to like full on scrappy do Kenny Omega. And then Kenny treats him like scrappy do, but then like Marco completely catches him off guard. And then all of a sudden you have these guys putting on some incredible sequences and, people don't know what the fuck to think because it makes no sense, but it is still unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I can't wait for that match. I imagine it's going to be the first match. I don't like, I don't see a world where that's not the first match and it's going to be a slam dunk home run, whatever sports colloquialism that you want to use. That's what it's going to be because you just got a bunch of athletic people out there, and you always have to, like, the X factor for Jurassic Express is that you got the 6'5", 200-and-something-pound, completely jacked uh, Luchasaurus. What are the Elite going to have for him? So it's not like it's just this thing where it's going to be like the Elite squash match because you got a big dude you got to compete with, and Jungle Boy is super talented. So I'm really looking forward to it. Do the Elite, you know, are they, you know, are they still crisp on BTE this week? Hangman broke the Young Bucks heart and said, you know what? Kind of, I love you, but I don't like you anymore. You know what I mean? Oh, how's that going to affect? Is the Hangman going to play into the match at all? I am, I'm looking forward to this match. Also, because, you know, like I said, we were talking about kind of a trios title. This could be a look into that division, you know? Yeah, it's a thought that I could, I could completely see it and also i would just love it because it would give marco a championship and then like a chance for a championship and then people would get so like oh my god why is marco got a title and then i he'd just be like fuck you as i know would be 100 percent his mindset if that happened but overall that's gonna do it for this week in AEW with fighter fest night two leading into fight for the fall and we got a lot to look forward to um, and first off, Jeremy Donovan, man, thank you so much for joining us over these last two weeks. We'll definitely be looking to get you back on cause we love having you on here. Um, and it's been nothing but great things to have you on. Like, thank you so much for joining us. 
No problem. Thanks for the invite, guys. You know, I'm always down to talk about some AEW and Dynamite. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Fight for the Fallen. Should be a great show. And you guys are doing a great job. And um, love all things Elite, man. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's been nothing but fun. And I've been enjoying my time on the show like nothing, like nothing else. And it's been a ton of fun. But yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to follow us on social media, be sure to follow us at AT Elite Pod. Be sure to follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Follow myself at Sumer4. Follow Floyd at Floyd at uh, at Floyd Johnson Jr. And be sure to follow Jeremy Donovan at Jeremy L. Donovan. Now, Floyd, do me a favor. Take us home, buddy. All right. I want to say, first of all, I'm shouting out my boys because I love them. FTR, they got a new shirt out. It's yellow. Shop that. It's shopaew.com. So if you're tired of being part of the Black Shirt Mafia, there's a yellow shirt you can buy, and it's got the truck on it. So uh, I'm definitely got to get one for my boy Joe Lanza because I know how much he loves cars being driven to the <laughs> ring. Uh, but no, just kidding. I know he doesn't listen to the show. Doesn't even know who I am. But it's always funny to poke fun of that. But, uh, you know, you know, we are getting some really good wrestling lately. Watch it all. I mean, we just had an amazing Fighter Fest Night 2, uh, NXT's Great American Bash that I was spoiled on. Uh, you know, you know who did it. You don't even got to say anything. I know you did it. Uh, I got spoiled on. I heard it was good. Uh, we got the New Japan, uh, the finals of the New Japan Cup and Dominion this weekend. Correct, Jeremy? Yes, sir. It's going to be great. I mean, I mean, wrestling on top of wrestling on top of wrestling. Freaking UFC's going to Fight Island. You know, there's a lot of things to, you know, kind of get you down. But there is a lot of stuff going on. To And I hope, the one I hope everybody just focuses on the good and try to focus on the positivity in the world. But remember, whether it is home, work, or school, Always do your best to be the lead.